gentlemen, in the red corner, hailing from the state of Nevada, representing the steam and wise guys, it's the always feared Vegas Odds Maker! And in the blue corner, the crowd favorite from South Florida, Mark Winning Picks Lawrence! Welcome back, everybody. Once again, this is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, and we're set to go against the spread on this week number three of the National Football League season. College football, nobody knows what week it is because some teams have yet to play. Some teams will be playing their fourth game in this wacky COVID season that we're involved with right now. And with that, I'm going to bring in our co-host, Victor King from King Creole Sports, and welcome him to the show, Victor. How was your week overall, and how have you been battling through the COVID as we're going through it right now with the college football world? My week was much better in uh, actually in the NBA playoffs in the NFL. Rough week for us in the NFL, and we'll touch on that a little bit later. But I uh, had a nice winner last night with the Nuggets and the Lakers over the total. And in fact, we've hit the total in that series in each of the first three games. So feeling good about the bubble and the NBA playoffs. I know you're probably feeling good. You had your first college football release of the season on Saturday, a come-from-behind victory on Navy over Tulane, so a nice uh, win there for you. And I don't know about you, but I'm feeling sorry for some of these teams that still can't get their first game of the season underway, like your Baylors of the world. Uh, Like we talked about last week, Mark, we're still seeing cancellations on a daily basis. We just found out this morning the Notre Dame-Wake Forest game is called off this weekend because of positive COVID tests for the Notre Dame players. It's going to happen on a week-to-week basis. But at the very, very least, you know, you mentioned this in this week's uh, Playbook Football newsletter. I feel a little bit more normalcy in this particular weekend, and we can probably thank the fact that the uh, a reshaped SEC conference is uh, ready for action and uh, – I'm hoping that'll enliven the proceedings. It's been tough watching the Big 12 kind of muddle through weak competition. And yeah, there's been a few good ACC games, but it's time to, you know, really turn up the juice when it comes to the ACC. And I know it's a tradition laced conference, Mark, but uh, everything changes in this conference. There are four new head coaches, there's more than a dozen new coordinators, there's at least six transfer quarterbacks who will either be in the start or in the mix. But uh, the bottom line is, uh, for me, welcome back, SEC. Yeah, to say the least, Victor, we do feel like we're more in a normal world or getting toward a normal world in college football, thanks to the SEC. And I think we'll probably likely feel like we're comfortably there once the Big Ten starts play Mm -hmm. the last week of October. And then perhaps, who knows, the Pac-12 maybe to follow that But I do know that uh, however it unfolds with the Big Ten, the Pac-12, and other conferences maybe even joining into the party, the Mountain West or whomever, uh, they're going to do everything they can to strive to make the dates for the college football playoff, which means shorter schedules uh, in the Big Ten, the Pac-12, and whatever other conferences there will be. And so be it if that ends up being the case. And uh, with that, there'll be a, an abundance, almost a, a majority of games being scheduled in conference games only. But uh, hey, we've got the database. We're all set to attack that. And uh, like you said, we're feeling a little bit more normal 
in the world of college football with each and every passing week. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence Against the Spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And with that, let's hop over to the National Football League side of things, Victor. And all I know is when I was tuning into the Red Channel on DirecTV over the weekend here, it was score after score after score. Correct me if I'm wrong, but was that a wild high-scoring weekend or what? It certainly was. Uh, We talked about it in this week's issue of the Playbook Totals Tip Sheet newsletter. And this was off a... 2019 season, in which week two was the lowest scoring week last year, 13 of the 16 week two games went under the total. It's historically the lowest scoring week of any NFL season, and it was just the opposite over the most recent weekend. And you couldn't have said it any better. Over, uh, what was it, 17 teams had 380 or more yards of offense over the weekend. Everywhere you looked, scoring up and down the field, average points per game was 53.3 last week. The average line was 46.2. So that means the average NFL game last week went over the total by more than a full touchdown, plus 7.1 points per game. 11 out of 16 games went over the total. Highest scoring week two of any NFL season. And in fact, Mark, uh... I think one of the reasons we can explain why 63% of all games have now gone over over a two-week period can be the lack of fans in the stands. Normally, this is the time of the year where defenses rule, but it's just the opposite. I think that the lack of the fans is benefiting the offenses much more than defenses. It kind of makes a little bit of sense as well. You know, the large decibel levels on the field have always favored defenses, but with no hardly any fans in the stands, NFL offenses can A, hear, and communicate much better with the reduced noise. And not only that, but they can even hear the defensive players calling out their respective signals as well. You know, NFL teams are maxed out with a piped-in crowd level these days of no more than 70 decibels. That's the piped-in fan crowd noise that you hear in an NFL game, and the players on the field hear that as well. And that's just an average decibel level. That's more like a sound level that a washing machine or a dishwasher might make. And it's quite the difference compared to the levels of 120 or higher that we've heard in some of the noisier stadiums in the NFL. So that's probably one of the, you know, Numerous reasons that the scoring is up, but injuries also mark injuries galore in the NFL. Big name players, if you're in any sort of fantasy league or daily fantasy league, you're probably jonesing right now. A lot of name players and out for the season as well. Uh, Reasons for that, well, obviously there was no OTAs during the season, the offseason, excuse me, the lack of a normal training camp. That included none of the preseason games, which tend to get the bodies in condition for the start of the season. And not only that, but the, the cessation of uh, activity for much of the offseason to work in person with trainers and their staffs in various areas of uh, injury rehabilitation or muscle memory de- development. And these are activities that, you know, they can't be replicated in a virtual environment. So that physical body development during the offseason was hampered to a big, big extent because of the COVID virus. But the two buzzwords, points 
and injuries when it comes to the NFL. I agree, Victor. Combination of injuries and the COVID situation, I think, is really leading to well-lit scoreboards in the National Football League these days. That, along with a mandate that I understood came down from NFL headquarters to make these games more exciting for fans. There are lack of fans in the stands. People are watching almost exclusively in the television world, and they want to see high-scoring, exciting football games. Uh, there also a word I had heard was that they're letting the zebras know not to throw as many flags, and I think that all led to everything of what we saw last week. And I can see nothing changing because the National Football League is satisfied not only with what the results were last week, but the ratings as well. What I want to do is I want to make one note of mention here. We lost a Hall of Fame football player this week. Gail Sayers uh, passed away at age 77 on Tuesday. And he had struggled with uh, some really deep onset dementia. And he was indeed uh, a Hall of Fame football player, the youngest player ever to be inducted into the Hall of Fame, 34 years old. Uh, he averaged five point yards per rush. And at mm. one time he scored six touchdowns in one game. Right. Uh, he's going to be really deeply missed. I know condolences go out to everybody in Chicago and all the National Football League fans. And I'm sure we're going to be hearing a lot about Gail Sayers this weekend. Uh, but sad to see the parting of him and want to at least acknowledge just that. Mark, can I say something about Gail real quick? He was sure. nicknamed the Kansas Comets. And if you're into sports movies, like, you know, most sports fans are, ABC did a made-for-TV movie back in the 70s called Brian's Song. It's a movie about the Chicago Bears and the relationship between Gail Sayers and Brian Piccolo. And it is easily on the Mount Rushmore of sports movies that will make you ball like a little baby at the end of the film if you haven't seen it. You got to see it, uh, called Brian's Song, a made-for-TV movie back in the 1970s about Gail Sayers and Brian Piccolo. And Mark, since this is kind of fresh on our minds, can I close out with this comment or this observation about the Monday night game? I know you were on the Raiders in their Las Vegas home opener. You grabbed the points, didn't need them. They beat the Saints, and I'm not feeling really, really good these days about that Saints Super Bowl bet. I just can't help but feel that we are watching Drew Brees' rapid decline play out in real time on national television. First, it was the Fox game of the week, showing Brees missing opening targets in week one against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It happened on ESPN in Monday Night Football by capturing what looked like a wounded-looking Brees against the Las Vegas Raiders. And I realize the Saints are notoriously slow starters at the start of the season but man, I just I, I can't help but think that uh, Drew Brees has lost it. And you know, while I was thinking about that last night, one of our uh, fans sent me a tweet. It was uh, our man uh, Texas Tornado, you know, uh, Steve oh, yeah, Crab down in right. Texas, and he sent out this tweet mark that said, "In two games, Drew Brees has thrown the ball 68 times. Of those 68 throws, only seven." have traveled over 10 yards for just two completions. It's hard to win games if you cannot (laughs) throw the ball down the field. Wow, unbelievable. Drew Brees, Tom Brady, 40 years of of age and older. Uh, There's a common denominator there, Victor, and we're starting to see it here unfold. (laughs) Father time. Exactly right, and we know all about that. (laughs) Yep. 
Hey, don't go away, guys. When we come back, Dicker and I, we're going to tear apart our game of the week in the NFL this week. we got a dandy on tap, an intra-conference football game when the Rams take on the Buffalo Bills. We'll tear that game down when we're back with more here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Only the Playbook Experts VIP Experience offers We Pay the Juice, Conflict Game Notices, Tokens Bonuses, SMS Alerts, and Genius Game Alerts. It's the only customer experience of its kind. To find out more about becoming a Playbook Experts VIP, log on today at playbook.com or call toll-free for more information at 1-800-PLAYBOOK. Become a VIP this football season with your Playbook Experts VIP membership. All new Playbooks tokens are here. Only at playbook.com can you earn rewards and get up to $100 in free Playbucks tokens to use as you choose. And with your Playbucks tokens, you can use them for Playbook Experts picks and selections. Plus, you earn 20% in free bonus tokens when you do. If you haven't got your $100 in free Playbucks tokens, do so now. Simply visit playbook.com and click on the tokens link. It's that easy. That's the all new Playbucks tokens waiting for you at playbook.com. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread. And now, let's throw it back to Mark. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, and we're tearing apart this week's college and pro football cards. It's on to our NFL game of the week this week, and we've got a dandy when the L.A. Rams travel coast-to-coast to to go to Buffalo to take on the Buffalo Bills in a battle of unbeatens. Victor, how do you see the Rams and the Bills shaking down this week? This is a very exciting week three schedule. you got to admit, I mean, it's going to conclude Monday night with the Kansas City Chiefs and the Baltimore Ravens. Sunday night game looks good, Packers and Saints. Late afternoon Sunday game, Dallas Cowboys, Seattle Seahawks. And we've got another battle of unbeatens that you're talking about here in the Rams and the Buffalo Bills. And I like this game because it's got a lot of stuff to it. It's got a lot of different angles, database situations. you got a west-to-east team. you got a battle of undefeateds. As far as the over-under line goes, it opened at 47, I believe. No, maybe closer to 45, and the early action has been on the over in this game. I'm showing the line up to 47 and a half. And I'm part of that action that I believe drove the line upward since the opener came out, and we are going over the total in this particular game. What we outlined in this week's totals tip sheet is in week three, when you got a battle of undefeated teams, you can pretty much expect plenty of points. Since 2007, NFL game threes amongst undefeated opponents have gone over the total 70% of the time when the home team is favored. That is the case in this game. Buffalo is laying, what, two and a half to three points. But anyway, those numbers from the database, 32 overs, 14 unders, one tie, and when the over-under line in these games is at 39 or more, the results improve all the way up to 14-2. and two. That's 88% over the total in the last five seasons. So game three battles of undefeated teams. Yeah, we can expect plenty of points. And I mentioned the uh, west-to-coast angle. You know, a west time zone team travels all the way across the country, They play an East time zone opponent in an early Sunday kickoff. Uh, We've talked about these type of games numerous times over the last 10 years in the Totals Tip Sheet newsletter and how the over has been a good play in these games, particularly when that West Coast team is catching points on the road 
And again, that is the case in this particular game. In fact, you know, the Rams just played out in the East Coast last week and went over the total in their game against the Philadelphia Eagles. They're doing it two weeks in a row. I'm sure you're going to uh, mention what the Rams have done in this uh, two-week period when they played back-to-back East Coast games. But anyway, from our uh, famous time zone query out of the database, this has gone now 29-8 and eight over under since 2015. And in fact, in the last three years, 10-1, and one, 10 overs and only one under. West time zone, road underdogs of less than two touchdowns versus any East time zone opponent in a Sunday early afternoon kickoff when the over-under line is less than 50 points. This game applies in that particular situation. And in fact, uh, I mentioned that this is actually the second week in a row that the Rams are traveling East. West to East road teams playing in the exact same situation for the second week in a row, 9-1 and one to the over in the last five years. And uh, I'll close things out, Mark, with this uh, final query. NFL home favorites have gone 10-1 and one to the over when both teams scored 28 or more points on the road last week. Buffalo did it down here in Miami when they beat up on the Dolphins. The Rams did it last week when they beat up on the Eagles. Not to mention, finally, Mark, Buffalo is a perfect 4-0 and to the over at home when hosting these Western time zone opponents. It all kind of clicks into place. And yeah, I'm on the over in this game. We're joining the over the total bandwagon and playing the Rams and the Bills over 47 and a half. Victor goes over the 47 and a half total in the Rams-Bills game. Two undefeated teams looking for a lot of scoring in the football contest. And as Victor alluded to, this is indeed the second consecutive game from West Coast to East Coast for the Rams, who opted to fly back home rather than stay in the area to, uh, to circumvent the time travel. And they did so largely because of COVID reasons. And there were rules by the National Football League that were laid out that if they did just that, there were certain things that they could and they could not do in preparation for their football game. They didn't like those rules. They wanted to be better prepared for this football contest. And hence, the reason that they went back home and now are in Buffalo on the East Coast for the second consecutive week in a row. Victor mentioned about how do the Rams do in games when going uh, west to east back-to-back weeks. In the last 10 years, they've only done it one time uh, where they've had East Coast, East Coast games. And that was uh, when they traveled from uh, Baltimore one week, then they went to Cincinnati the next week. They got clobbered 31-7 to in the game at Cincinnati. But I might throw a caveat out there and say that they were 10-point underdogs in that football game. They were expected to lose the contest. This is a much different Los Angeles Rams football team this year. Uh, They've opened up the offense here. They're number five overall. They're uh, averaging 436 yards of contest this football season here. And as we alluded to in not only the Playbook Preview Football Guide magazine, but have a touch base in the newsletter as well, we were expecting a big bounce back turnaround year by the Rams this football season. And a lot of that was due to what they did last football season. They struggled to a 9-7 and seven year, but they dominated their opponents in the stats. They only lost the stats two times in 16 games last year. Their numbers, their results did not equate to what they played for on the field. Now this football team is playing much like the Rams were in their 15-win season when they lost to New England in the Super Bowl in 2018. And I know that Sean McVay has a purpose or a reason for a taking this team back east for two weeks in a row. It doesn't seem to bother him, and I'm sure it's not going to bother the players in this game as well. 
The Buffalo Bills come into the contest here. A vastly improved football team as expected this football season here. I think the addition of Stefan Diggs to this offense has meant a whole lot more than what is being seen on the surface here. It, it gives Josh Allen a whole new look in his approach and everything that he's doing. He opens up the passing game for Buffalo. In fact, in the past two weeks, Josh Allen has thrown for 300 yards and over 400 yards. Uh, he's never thrown for 400 yards in his career, even college and the National Football League. So he's, as they say at McDonald's, he's loving it right now, Josh Allen. With this new look offense uh, that they've got cooking there right now, I'm going to uh, throw this little note of warning out there. However, if you take a look at what Buffalo has done in the past, they've struggled at home in non-conference football games. In the last five games they've hosted, they've only taken down the money one time, and in fact, they're sort of in rare territory, if you will, just given the fact that they're in here off back-to-back wins, which we hadn't seen a lot of from many Buffalo teams in the past. Although this team here is obviously a much improved football team, they're just four and sixteen straight up, and five fourteen and one to the number when coming off back to back wins. I'll be on the Rams in this football game, and one of the clinchers comes from the Playbook Football Newsletter, where we noted the Rams are a perfect nine and zero to the money, as non conference road dogs of seven or fewer points. I'll grab up the points with the Rams from my side in this football game. And with that, let's hop out to Las Vegas for one of our favorite segments on the show. We join in with Andy Isco to get the Vegas vibe to find out what's going on in Vegas these days. And with that, we welcome Andy to the show. Andy, I hope you had a good week last week and you're looking forward to a better week this week. Well, if we're talking other than football, Mark, I had a very good weekend last week. The NFL was not quite as kind to me in week two as it was in week one. But before we continue, I was listening to your discussion of the Rams and uh, Buffalo game. And uh, theoretically, this could be a Super Bowl preview. McDonald's has to be loving that part, since you mentioned them as well, because they would be calling it the Sean Mack Super Bowl. Sean McVay and Sean McDonough taking the uh, Rams and Bills to the Super Bowl. I th- East-West, I think it would be uh, phenomenal. Not out of the picture, and that's something we couldn't say for many years with the Buffalo Bills, and for that matter, for the Rams as well. So you know, maybe long rebuilding processes do finally take hold. Take that, uh, take a, Pay attention to that, New York Jets ownership. Hey, we're visiting with Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas, publisher of one of the finest football newsletters in the land. If you haven't done so yet, log on to TheLogicalApproach.com and download this week's newsletter just in time for a full weekend of college and NFL football games. And Andy, I know things have settled in in Las Vegas now. The contests are underway we reviewed a little bit about what they happened this year, how attendance was way, way down in the Superbook contest because of the COVID situation and up, surprisingly, in the Circa contest, largely, probably most, mostly likely due to the, uh, to the cost of the contest, the fact that there's no, no uh, fees taken out of the contest and uh, they had a real, real nice result. So how did it all shake out, Andy? What did we see in the first week? I'm sure there were some 5-0s and O's, and I'm sure there were some 0-5s. But overall, what did you see as far as results go? Well, we've got the first two weeks of results in, so there have been two pick, uh, ten picks rather for each contestant in the Super Contest Classic at the Westgate, uh, the Super Contest Gold at the Westgate, and the uh, new Circa Million Contest in its second year that drew over 3,000 entries this year. The, we'll start with the Super Contest Classic, which is the traditional contest, the $1,500 entry fee, five picks per week against the spread. 
there are 13 contestants right now tied at 9 and 1 with the best record. Four right behind them at 8, 1 and 1. That's 8.5 out of a possible 10 points. And 51 are 8 and 2 after the uh, first two weeks. The consensus plays, which we didn't get a chance to go over last week, but which we'll be doing in coming weeks as well. Three and two each of the first two weeks in the Super Contest Classic. Just uh, mentioned there were 1,172 entrants in the Super Contest Classic. That's down about two-thirds from last year when they had slightly over 3,300, uh, setting an all-time record for, I think it was the ninth year in a row. Uh, the uh, number one selection two weeks ago, the opening week, was the Buffalo Bills over the New York Jets. That was a winner. The top selection last week was the Kansas City Chiefs laying those big points at the Chargers. That was a loser. So the top selection is a one and one on the season. The top five selections, as I mentioned, three and two each of the first two weeks. Uh, that's like uh, in the PGA Tour, uh, shooting par golf every week. It'll get you a nice record. Might not get you cashing, but it'll put you in position to make a nice living. Three and two, three and two. That's six and four. Uh, Super Contest Gold only drew 72 entries this year. One person does have the outright lead at 9-1. and one. That's the $5,000 winner-take-all contest, so a pool of $360,000 up for grabs. One, one contestant at 9-1, six are at 8-2, and two. three are at 7-2-1, uh, and one, and 11 more are at 7-3, and three. so over 20% of the field, over 25% of the field, 7-3 and three or better. Uh, the first week, the consensus three and two. Last week, four and one. So it's seven and three on the year from those 72 contestants. The best bet has hit each of the first two weeks in the Super Contest Gold. Now let's get to the Circa Contest, uh, the Circa Million Contest, which is the big boy this year. 3,148 contestants uh, paid the $1,000 entry fee. They exceeded the minimum needed to uh, guarantee. Uh, the entry fees would fund the total prize of uh, $3 million for the contest. They went over that by 148. They needed 3,000, got 3,148. Of those 3,148 contestants, only one is a perfect 10 and 0 after the after the first two weeks. Four are at 9, 0, and 1, and another 21 are at 9 and 1. So that's a very impressive uh, start over 3,000 contestants. The Circa also offers a booby prize, a $100,000 guaranteed payout for the contestant who submits five selections each week and has the poorest record over those 85 selections. Right now, there are nine contestants who probably unintentionally, because I don't think you want to deliberately go for this if you don't have to, unintentionally, nine contestants have started one and nine in that contest. As far as the consensus goes, very similar to the Super Contest Classic, three and two each of the first two weeks. And in fact, the top the top selection in the week one was a winner, and the top selection in week two was a loser. But whereas the Super Contest top selection was a winner in week one with Buffalo, the Circa Million Contest top selection in week one was a winner with the Rams. In week one, I noted that Kansas City was the top selection that lost in the Super Contest Classic. It was the Philadelphia Eagles who were the uh, top selection in week two in the Circa Million. And, of course, the Philadelphia Eagles came up well short in their game against the winner of the first week's most popular play, the Rams, in, uh, in, uh, in their week two matchup. Uh, the Circa Contest Survivor drew 1,390 entries. If my numbers are correct, if I read it correctly, there were 17 contestants who, for one reason or another, did not submit a selection in week one. Uh, they were eliminated. This is a, a traditional 
uh, King of the Hill Last Man Standing contest. It's a straight-up contest. You pick the winner straight up. Uh, if you win, you advance. If you lose, you're eliminated. The provision is that you cannot pick a team more than once during the course of the season. And the unique aspect of this contest as well is that there are 18 weeks in the contest. Thanksgiving Day, total of three NFL games, consists or uh, comprises a full week in the contest. So for those contestants who are still alive, they've got to make sure they've got one of the six teams that are playing and Thanksgiving Day uh, alive to still pick. Most likely, the most popular selection will be Dallas, who will be playing Washington, hosting Washington on Thanksgiving Day. The other two games, Houston at Detroit and Baltimore and Pittsburgh, will be getting together. In the first week, including those 17 who did not select, 585 of the 1,390 contestants, that's almost uh, uh, 40%, were eliminated, leaving 805 contestants heading into week two. Those 805 contestants did an outstanding job in week two as only four of the 805 were eliminated. So 801 of the 805 picked straight-up winners. And, of course, even though it's still early, it does get more difficult each week because the number of teams from which you can select it reduces by one each week as a result of not being able to pick a team uh, more than one week. So that's the contest to recap for this week. And for those who uh, may not yet have been aware, the Golden Nugget had to cancel their uh, contest this season because of the significantly abbreviated uh, college season, at least significantly abbreviated during the month of August, as most conferences or many conferences were canceling their games. We've now heard, of course, that the Pac-12 and the Big Ten will be resuming activities uh, sometime late November, late excuse me, late October, and so the Power Five conferences will play. But a lot of the contestants in the Golden Nugget contest, which does combine NFL and college football, uh, were heavily involved in college football and also heavily involved in some of the Group of Five conferences: the Mountain West, the MAC, the Sun Belt uh, Conference USA, and the American Athletic Conference. Some of whom are playing, some of which are not playing. But unfortunately, uh, the Golden Nugget contest. Uh, is, is not being uh, offered this year or has not uh, been offered this year, uh, but is expected to come back in 2021. That was a review from Andy Isco from the major contest going on in Las Vegas this week, as he does on a weekly basis. And beginning next week, Andy will start sharing with us some of the moves that come from the Westgate in their early advance lines in the National Football League that Jay Cornegay sends out one week in advance to see how the line moves have fared Throughout that period of time, we'll start that next week here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. And with that, Andy, before we let you go, I know our listeners would love to know what you've got on tap for your complimentary play this week. Well, Mark, my uh, my record this year is similar to the uh, top records in the major contest, hitting the first week with uh, Jacksonville and uh, uh, coming up well short last week with uh, Minnesota. I'm going to go to the uh, big game. There's a lot of very attractive uh, games on this week's schedule in the NFL. I'm going to go to the game between uh, the Dallas Cowboys and the uh, Seattle Seahawks. And uh, uh, one of the things I did in the uh, newsletter this week was uh, a little bit of a rant, sort of uh, a deja vu all over again, as we saw two coaches uh, who were noted for making uh, bonehead uh, plays, decisions, sure. etc., in Super Bowls, uh, somewhat almost, in one case, did their team in this week, this past week, and almost did their team. And I'm talking about Dan Quinn of Atlanta, their inability to hold a big lead against Dallas and having uh, his team unprepared for how to handle that onside kick that uh, the Cowboys were able to execute uh, as opposed to uh, 
uh, being prepared for it. They were prepared for it. They just didn't uh, weren't properly schooled in how to handle what was a bit of an unexpected onside kick. And then Pete Carroll, who, of course, failed to give Marshawn Lynch the uh, football at the end of the Super Bowl against New England. And last week he got bailed out because the defense was able to stop Cam Newton on the final play of the game. But uh, going for a deep pass on third down with the yard to go, New England with two timeouts and just under two minutes remaining, uh, I think would be classified as a bonehead play because if you run the football, A, you put another 30 seconds off the clock, or you force New England to use one of its two remaining timeouts. Uh, they got bailed out, but only only after New England made it extremely hairy. So uh, both teams of, of the this little rant that I had, Dallas was the opposite team to the Atlanta uh, uh, gaff, and Seattle, which was the team that committed the gaff. I'm not necessarily using that as a reason for a selection this week. It's just sort of interesting that those two are matching up in what could be a very important game as far as having playoff implications for Dallas and uh, Seattle. I was very impressed with the way Dallas came back last week after a tough, hard-fought loss against a very good Rams team in Los Angeles to open the season, falling behind early to uh, uh, Atlanta big time, and then coming back and rallying and taking advantage of that poorly handled onside kick by Atlanta to go down and get the uh, winning field goal to win 40-39, to building a little bit of momentum. And let's keep one thing in mind, and this is also related to the fact that we had a very unusual offseason, no preseason games, uh, etc., and very little contact during training camp. Uh, a lot of these, in fact, all of these first-year coaches in the NFL, uh, whether they be first-time first-year coaches or first-year coaches with new teams, need a little bit extra time to get familiar with exactly what we have. And so looking at Mike McCarthy with the Packers, we know of his offensive uh, innovative uh, capabilities. He's still learning about the strengths and weaknesses in actual competition with the Cowboys. Of course, Seattle, a veteran team. Russell Wilson, arguably the best player overall on the field. But I think when you get beyond Russell Wilson and you look at the roster man for man, position for position, you give the edge, certainly on offense, uh, to the Dallas Cowboys with Ezekiel Elliott and the fine receivers that uh, they have. I'm going to look at taking the point with the Dallas Cowboys this week. Uh, four and a half is the number that I'm seeing around uh, Las Vegas and elsewhere. Some fives are starting to pop up. I'm not sure uh, where this number will go. Five, usually a dead number, so it may go up to five and a half, which is a little bit more attractive. I don't see it going any higher than that, but I wouldn't be surprised if the late money comes in and pushes this down to four, possibly even three and a half. So uh, I've played Dallas at uh, uh, at the four and a half uh, thus far. I'm going to see what happens and maybe make more of a play on them at five or better if it's available later in the week, although I don't expect it. I'm going to look for the Dallas Cowboys to have success going on the road. And again, when you're taking an underdog, especially an underdog of four or more, you've got a good chance of not winning the game but covering it. We've seen Dallas already involved in two close games, the one-point win over Atlanta and the three-point loss at the uh, uh, at the Rams to open the season. Seattle, of course, had that easy win over Atlanta to open the season, and then a closer-than-needed-be win over New England last week when they held on for that 35-30 win. I'm going to go with the Dallas Cowboys. I'm also going to play part of it on the money line. I like the four-and-a-half points, but I'm also going to look for a little bit of money line action as Dallas, I think, is a team that many people have high expectations for and... Maybe uh, we start to see, as uh, Mike McCarthy gets used to his personnel, uh, we start seeing Dallas winning more and more football games throughout the course of the season. Andy Isco on the Dallas Cowboys this week, and I might say, Andy, I'll be riding sidekick with you on that selection as well. You're going to take the points against the Seattle Seahawks 
for his complimentary play on the football show this week. And once again, a great job, as always, Andy. And I want to remind our listeners one more time to log on at thelogicalapproach.com and get your hands on a copy of this week's Logical Approach football newsletter. You'll be glad you did. And until next week, Andy, I'm going to wish you once again a good week this week. May the football bounce your way, and we'll look forward to talking with you next week here on the show. Of course, I wish you, Victor, the staff at Playbook, and of course, all of our loyal listeners, uh, the best of success uh, in week three's battle with the uh, lines makers and uh, the NFL teams. Don't go away, guys. We're going to put the final wraps on the show when we come back. I'll share with you our awesome angle of the week and complimentary plays from both Victor and myself. When we're back here in just a moment on Mark Lawrence against the spread. If you haven't seen Andy Isco's The Logical Approach Football Newsletter, then you owe it to yourself to download this week's newsletter in time for the football games this week. Check out the new issue every week at TheLogicalApproach.com. See what winning football information is all about at TheLogicalApproach.com. We're going against the spread with Mark Lawrence after this. Attention sports fans, it's time to get in on all the football action at mybookie.ag. This industry-leading website is renowned for having the best odds and more betting options than any other sportsbook online. Get the odds you want and the fast payouts you need, guaranteed. That's mybookie.a as in Apple and G as in games. Tell them Mark Lawrence sent you. Only the biggest. Only the best. Only at mybookie.ag. Sign up today. To put a final spin on this week's show, let's do what Mark does best, his awesome awesome angle of the week. All right, guys, let's get to it, our awesome angle of the week on the show this week, and we're going right back to last week's awesome angle, which did not get there, but we fully expect the big rebound this week. It's called I Heard It Through the Grapevine. It was in our playbook Black Book this year and also featured in the playbook football newsletter last week. And what we look to do is to play against any NFL Super Bowl loser the next season in non-division away games as a pick or a favorite. We played against San Francisco 49ers last week. The Niners somehow, with all those injuries, managed to cash that ticket. But guess what? They're back again laying points on the East Coast in this non-desirable non-division road favorite role. This has gone 48-25-5 by fading these teams, these Super Bowl losers. With that, we'll be playing against San Francisco on Sunday for a complimentary play on the show this week. And with that, I'm going to hand it off to Victor King from King Creole Sports to find out what Victor's got on tap this week. And Victor, if you would, I know our listeners would love to know also, maybe perhaps what Tuco's doing this week as well. Sure thing, Mark. Uh, College football will have a totals play going on Saturday. On Sunday, multiple NFL overs. If you like playing overs, we're going to have a multiple game package That'll be available at the playbook.com website on Friday evening. And first off, Mark, we got to take Tuco to task for his last week game, over 22.5 points, Minnesota Vikings. You saw the game. Hey, Minnesota was, you know, a popular handicapper play. They were a popular contest play, and they were Tuco's play. And they finished with only 175 total yards in their game against the Colts. It was a total, you know, uh, blank storm, if you know what I mean. And that Minnesota offense, it reminded me of the Ford Pinto that I used to drive in college. (laughs) No get up or go, that is for sure. Uh, By the way, with the loss, I do want to let the folks know out there that I took away 
Tuco's favorite purple squeaky toy for the week. I grabbed it. It's in my sock drawer right now. He will not see it again until Sunday. He and it are on one week purple squeaky toy suspension. He's on the hot seat again this week, and <laughs> he's going to want to see that squeaky toy on Sunday. And he's going over the total with the Pittsburgh Steelers over their team total at home against Houston. The over-under line for Pittsburgh is 24.5 points, and we are going over the total with the Steelers. And this week is not about purple anyway. It's about black, as in Steelers black. And what really jumps out at us is this potential beatdown in the Steel City. You know, Pittsburgh scored 26 points last week against an outstanding Denver defense at home. They should be able to eclipse that, if not more, against Houston. Uh, This is one of those Game 3 undefeated home favorites. That's the Steelers. But anyway, these teams have averaged 30.1 points per game when the over-under line is 42 or more points. Not only that, but we know who's finally back and they're healthy. That's Big Ben Roethlisberger, the quarterback of the Steelers. And we know how good he does at home with the Steelers' offense when he's healthy. The Steelers have averaged 30.0 points per game at home when Ben is at quarterback over the last five seasons. That's almost a full seven points better than their anticipated score of 24 and a half points. They looked great last week, like I just said, against the great Denver defense. And when it comes to this week's opponent, since the start of last season, the Houston Texans have allowed an average of 30.4 points per game when playing on the road. There you have it. We're taking Tuco to task. He's going over the total with the Pittsburgh Steelers over their team total of 24.5 points. You also know how we feel about the over in the Rams and Bills game as well. That'll do it for us. Tuco wants to see that purple toy. Hopefully we'll be breaking it out on Sunday afternoon. Victor, I only hope that we don't have to notify the AACL (laughs) (laughs) about the (laughs) purple. PETA, (laughs) exactly. So, Tuco, we're counting on you, bud. We don't want to have to make that call. Victor goes over the Pittsburgh total of 24.5 for his complimentary play on the show this week. And be sure to dial into all of Victor's plays at King Creole Sports this weekend at playbook.com. Before I get to my complimentary play to wrap up the show this week, once again, a quick reminder from our friends at mybookie.ag who are offering a double first deposit bonus to anybody that makes their first deposit at mybookie.ag. All you need to do is mention the promo code PLAYBOOK and you'll get double your first deposit at mybookie.ag. Log on today or call them toll-free. The number is 1-844-866-2387. That's 1-844-866-2387. Bet for your double first deposit at mybookie.ag. And a quick note here that I'll also be releasing my five-star college football game of the month going this Saturday. We've had phenomenal success with this five-star college football game of the month play, 75-33-2, and two, dating all the way back to 1990. It's all part of a $69 football weekend of winners for all of my college and NFL football plays Saturday through Monday. Log on at playbook.com, or you can call the office toll-free to get on board now at 1-800-321-7777. With that, let's 
share with you my complimentary play on the football card this week. And as we open up the show, it's sure nice to see the SEC back in action. We're going to hop right into the SEC Wars with my complimentary play. When we grab out the points with Mississippi, the Rebels, against Florida as they make their debut with new head coach Lane Kiffin this Saturday at Oxford. Coming into this football contest, we note that Lane Kiffin knows the SEC pretty well. I'd say he was a former head coach at Tennessee and the offensive coordinator with Nick Saban at Alabama. On his dossier, we note that Lane Kiffin has been a double-digit underdog four times in his head coaching career. He won the money all four games. Inside the series, you take a look at these two teams here. They've split six games. They've gone three and three straight up apiece the last six meetings, but Mississippi's taken home the money in five of those six football games. We're talking about a Florida Gator football team that's really highly publicized this football season here, but... In their first game of the season in the last 24 years, line games, they've only won the money 10 times. They've struggled early out of the gate and have the Gators. They're just 2-6 and six laying 13 or more points on the road. It's a big debut for Lane Kiffin here. I'm going to grab up the points of the Rebels for my complimentary play on the show this week. And that's going to put the final wraps on this edition of Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. I want to thank our co-host Victor King from King Creole Sports, our good friend Andy Isco, joining us from Las Vegas from The Logical Approach, and our good friend Jack Reynolds, who we know is listening from above. Until next week, once again, this is Mark Lawrence, reminding you to always to remember to bet with your head, not over it, and good luck as always.